and through the greater and more perfect tent um, that was his body, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, we'll be looking at this a little bit later tonight, um, begin 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter, that, that when we were singing the song about going to the gate, running to the gate, I was remembering being a little kid, and, and we'd come back from something, and the door would open, we'd run in the door. I had that picture in mind that we just, we get to run in um, in a joyful way. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, therefore let us draw near with a true heart in full and complete assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's a work that is done for us. And let us hold fast confession of our hope without wavering for the one who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We, we gather um, together um, because of him as redeemed people and for no other reason. We gather around him as one body in Christ and we gather for him as our only object of our worship, which we forget during the week, don't we? Um, one of the reasons we come here is remember that once again. So we get to celebrate an open door, we celebrate a finished work, and we celebrate an open invitation to come and to come. We're going to um, sing, and uh, it's time you can partake of communion if you know the Lord. Um, a, rem a, re a rem reminder that he's opened that door for us um, and wanted. The, the elements are here. I've also, there's some on the back table there. Um, if you want to use the back, that's, um, sometimes we don't like coming up front, so there's on the side as well. Um, both those spots are open as we sing. Um, as we always say, um, partake if you want. Um, sing. Um, you can bow down. You can pray um, as we enter in. Lord, I want to thank you for the bread that our, our good friends made for us tonight. Um, and the cup pictures for us and reminder that something absolutely incredible happened. And it opened the way for us to be free in your presence, to enjoy the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, to, to be actually be able to gather together as one body. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. The Lord has given us his uh, body and his blood so that through it, um, as we're just singing, um, he's made a way for us actually to become the temple of the Holy Spirit and together become his body here on earth, the church. Um, he works in us, he instructs us, he moves us, he molds us, and even perhaps um, occasionally wakes us up um, so that we can enter more fully everything that he prepares for us and help us discover how to gather in a way that truly lifts up Jesus and begins to shape us as his people. A couple of just a, a couple notes about this uh, as we head into this particular series um, called Why Do We Gather? You'll hear that statement about 100 times before the evening's over, so we'll remember it. Um, 
Today is just an intro, um, and it'll feel like an intro. So um, we will skip through a, a bounce through a couple texts this morning or this evening um, to lay some uh, some groundwork. But we're really just kind of introducing something. And my goal is desire is that what we introduce will have a, a week to sink in a little bit to begin to ruminate it, even without getting an answer. Um, if um, if you decide not to come back next week. Um, it's kind of like getting a menu and ordering your favorite thing. Not that it's that great, but it is. Um, <laughs> and then uh, having to leave the restaurant and not getting your food. So you're going to walk away and come back next week going, it's, it's not going to mean much. So come back next week um, or you'll be lacking. Um, having just gathered around communion, um, we will actually see over the course of this series that this table um, pictures more than we think it does, I think. Um, and it is more central than we often make it. Um, I wish I could take it and just sink it permanently way out there. We moved it out. We kind of made it central and put it way out here um, because there's something that happens in regards to this um, every time we get together. And over the course of these next weeks, I think you will not only begin to see it but get to be able to put it into practice as, as well. Next week, we're going to make our real start um, into digging into the answer to this question of why do we gather, and we're going to... Um, make uh, Susie O'Hare's heart glad, and we're going to go right back to Genesis, the very beginning, and, um, and it's, we get introduced right away to what God was about um, and why actually we gather together. So today, I'm just uh, introducing the key question, as the title um, says, um, why do we gather? Um, and I'm not going to give you an answer. I may not even hint at where we're going, but that's where we're going to go. Um, we have a picture of a church. Um, that is the Wheaton Evangelical Free Church on Roosevelt Road in Wheaton, Illinois. Um, that's the church I grew up in. Uh, it didn't have a digital sign out front. I don't remember what sign. That's new. The building in the back is new. Um, it's actually, if you take a, a, a wide view of it, the church actually quite different um, since I was there. But that front and that little side is exactly as it was um, where, where I grew up. I'm going there. My parents um, were 28 years old. They had just been married about a year and a half. Um, my mom was pregnant with their, my oldest brother, Mark, um, and they attended the groundbreaking of this church. Um, actually, Billy Graham came and did the invocation over the, the grounds of that church. Um, and I attended there from um, conception until, um, until I got into college, uh, my first year of college. And the church had some problems, and there were people were going all over, and that included me. But I was there all that time. Um, our routine, I don't know what it's like for you guys, um, for church, um, our routine uh, as far as when I can remember it, was uh, Sunday mornings. Our, there basically was Sunday school first. Um, the services at, if you grew up in a traditional church, what time is Sunday service? 10.45, isn't that it? Something like that, to 12. I love it going here early on Sundays. Um, get out a little early, but 10.45 is the service. So we would, Sunday school and then church. We uh, lived very close to the, uh, to the church. Just We lived about a block away from Wheaton College and just down the street from here um, up until early elementary school. Then we moved out quite a ways out from, uh, from the town of Wheaton, so we had to drive about 35 minutes um, to get there. Um, unlike Tucson, um, the Wheaton area is actually pretty busy on a Sunday morning because there's churches everywhere, and there are people all going to church. So, But we would, uh, the main deal was you get up in the morning, the alarm goes off, everybody's on their own, and our family deal was you're on your own on Sunday mornings. Mom doesn't have to do anything. So um, we would scrounge for something to eat. We'd get ready. We'd fight with each other and yell at each other. We had to shine our shoes for Sunday, wear a suit, um, the whole deal. 
and get all ready to go in order to leave in time to get to church. Um, and we would pull in our Ford Country Square right over on the right-hand side here, remember? And we'd take off and go inside. My mom would actually, we'd hide clothes that we wanted to wear instead of the suit. And when my mom would go in, we'd all change. And then she would get mad at us when church was over. And the next week, we'd do the same thing over again. Um, but uh, we would go in the side entrance. I remember I went down this basement. I still remember the smell of that building um, into my Sunday school class and head to Sunday school. Um, and then after that, we'd head upstairs. And I still remember in the, the, the way the sanctuary looked, it was kind of typical. The, the uh, fake wood in the back and the plastic plants. And it had kind of a uh, off blue color carpet and padded seats that the pastoral staff would sit on in, in the front. And it had all the flags of the nations that we that for the missionaries along the side. And we sat, if you're if we're facing, it was like on the, the pastor's right side, about the fifth row back, right towards the end, our whole family in the line um, would sit there. When we got a little older, um, my dad uh, liked having time before church to get prepared, and so he would he would like leave on time, right? Um, actually, he would leave early. I'm like that too. Um, and if he, my mom wasn't ready, which she never was, um, he would just leave. So um, I started jumping in the car and going with my dad to church when I hit about 12 years old. I'd go with my dad. We'd get there. My mom would arrive later. We'd all end up in the same pew eventually. Um, I remember actually late in high school, we arrived in five cars at church one time, five different cars we arrived. Um, but we'd do that. And the service was um, like many of you grew up in. Um, I, I'd, I sat there. They, uh, somebody got up and they did some welcome like we do and fill out your old cards and your old offertory thing and fill it all out. And then the, uh, there would be a, um, some kind of pastoral scripture would be read. Um, a, a prayer would be said. We'd s the hymn director would get up there and he would, he would direct our hymn. And uh, actually one of the last songs we're going to do tonight, um, I remember it's because we sang it all the time. And actually it, it, it gets me every time in a really good way. We'd sing a hymn. Um, then there would be some kind of up, like a missionary update or, or something like that or why we should give money for the new carpet or something. Would, there'd be some kind of thing in there. And then the choir would sing a song, and we'd pass the offering plates around. And that was always kind of the fun part for me. I remember, like, like jiggling the offering plate. They had the old velvet thing in the bottom, so it wouldn't make so much noise. Um, they'd pass the offering plate around. There would usually be another song, um, another prayer or scripture reading, usually the responsive reading in the back of the book, right? Um, work through this. And then the pastor would do his message, and then we were done. We'd go home. Um, and that's what we would do every single week, week in and week out. Not all a bad thing. Um, Lots of, lots of good things in there. And actually, um, my, um, there's huge things that happened for me there. Um, uh, my Sunday school teachers were significant um, to this day, had major impact on me. I was in Awana as a kid. All the verses I know today, I learned them in Awana. Um, and uh, if without it, I'd be lost in that. I was on the junior high quiz team that traveled around Illinois and quizzed against other evangelical free churches. Um, it was kind of the nerds of the time. Um, group, um, and somehow in it, um, although I didn't always know what was going on there, and I didn't really want to be there, it's kind of like eating Brussels sprouts, it was just kind of like, okay, it's good, I should be there, and um, didn't always feel real great, um, I got a great love for the church um, from that place, and they had a lot of troubles here, <laughs> a lot of troubles, lots of pastors coming and going, um, and yet I grew a great love for the church, but if you ask me, um, at that time, even up into high school, if he said, why do we get together? Um, I don't think I could have given you an answer. Um, I think I would have said, because I think we're supposed to, and it's good for me, 
Um, Jesus is happy when we do that. Um, and somehow, all these ingredients that were in the service, um, none of them I really, I mean, I knew what we were doing. I didn't know how they connected. I'm not sure why we did certain things the way we did it. Um, but I knew that individually, they were all good things. And so somehow they're going to come together and it's going to have some kind of benefit for me. And it did. Um, quite honestly, it did. But I'm not sure I could really give you a really say, this is why we're here answer. Um, other than the fact that we always went. Um, like I said, it was good for me. Jesus expects it. Um, it didn't all make sense, but somehow I knew it was important. It was important. Um, get the next one. I sent out a church email this week. If you get, you get an email, then you got it. You may have read this blog. Recently, um, back, actually back in February, Donald Miller, um, who wrote Blue Egg Jazz, uh, uh, sent out a blog, um, and he's, it was t- entitled, I Don't Worship God by Singing. Um, he kind of talked about the, the whole thing that singing in a church, he doesn't connect that way. It just, he doesn't really enjoy that. Um, and listening to what he would call a lecture, it was a sermon, just he never remembered him anyway, so um, he didn't really value that um, very much. He um, got a lot of flack for that, um, and so he wrote a follow-up, which is actually a pretty long blog. You can read it, um, where he kind of explains himself and responds to all the critics. If you read it, you would um, probably disagree with a whole bunch of it, and you'd probably say yes to some of it as well. But his second one was called, Why I Don't Go to Church Very Often. Um, he never says in it that you shouldn't go to church. He just says why he doesn't go to church um, any longer or very often. The bottom line is he says that he experiences God elsewhere because we're all temple of the Holy Spirit and, and we experience him elsewhere. He experiences God best elsewhere um, and he experiences him very little, he says, when he attends a service, um, what he would call a traditional service, but the services that he was a part of. Um, his critique was that the songs didn't connect with him and it's mostly a lecture time, a fairly two-dimensional understanding of church. It's you sing a song and you hear a lecture. Um, and then you go home. Um, his answer um, was that he connects with God in his work and his ministry, and he connects uh, with believers elsewhere, um, which hopefully we do, um, in a coffee shop or wherever, and that's where he does it. He worships when he's out on a walk, um, and that being a part of the larger body of Christ is enough um, and doesn't really find any more value into this little space of us gathering um, together. A friend just, uh, just this past week said to me, um, we were talking about this, um, he said, I have come to believe that church is more part of who I am and not a place I go to, and I hope we would say yes to that. And it is happening all through the week, and I hope we'd say that as well. And then he closed, he said, so meeting with a larger group on a Sunday or Saturday evening um, just doesn't seem relevant anymore. Um, the question is, are they correct? Are they correct? As we, as we get together and we gather, and, um, and many things they are. And I think if you read it, like I said, I think you'd agree with a whole bunch of things. Um, some of the critiques touch very close to home. Um, I think we would all agree that worship and community ought to happen outside these walls. As a matter of fact, um, the community that happens in a gathered service is probably a very small slice of what community is about. The bigger slice of it probably happens outside of this place. If all we do is sing some songs um, and have a lecture, um, is that adequate? Uh, no. Um, is it useless? I hope not, but perhaps um, if it doesn't connect, if, if we don't have understanding behind it. Um, 
for me, I, I listen to worship music all the time when I'm driving. I, I listen to it all the time, so I'm singing. Um, and I listen to, um, you know, we have the internet. You can listen to way better speakers than you ever get here. I mean, except for John. But um, you get, I mean, you can go online and I can listen to, I can pick a, something I'm really interested in or a, a passage, and I can hear great stuff. So why get together and do the same thing over again? Isn't, if I can do it there, why do we get together here? Is there a value to it? Is there a purpose to it? As I said, um, Don Miller touches on some of the things that I think we should pay attention to, but I also think he misses something. And perhaps we as well have failed to enter something as a gathered group and to enter into the fullness of what God intended to do among us. That perhaps there's something that's supposed to happen here that can't happen anywhere else. Um, and we're either experiencing it or we're missing it, or as a leadership, we're not providing it or creating a space for it to happen. Um, for sure, his comments aren't, um, he's not an isolated voice saying that out there today. Um, and so we have to kind of wrestle with an answer to that question. Um, is there perhaps a greater vision for our gathered times of worship? We speak a lot here. Um, we have especially the past couple years, year and a half, about worshiping everywhere. As a matter of fact, it's one of our key values that we are worshipers. We are created because of the image of God that there's an outpouring of worship just from my very being because I'm a, the Im creating the image of God. Sin messed that up, so I still outpour worship, but it's not going to the right places anymore. The cross brings it back in line and puts its object back on Jesus. So we've emphasized worshiping God everywhere and in all places and in all times, um, which is, by the way, not something I heard at the church I grew up in. Church worship was something you did there. Um, I didn't really hear about it going outside that place. But we can so emphasize that one aspect of being the church, um, this church scattered that we'll mention tonight, that we actually limit and begin to narrow our understanding of what it means to be the church. By not speaking about and giving great thought to our gathered times, um, we end up missing um, to our huge loss um, an essential and God-ordained rhythm of life. Um, so in the weeks to come, we're going to pursue the, the, this greater vision of what it means to be gathered together um, as a church. Um, not about our programs and stuff, um, but our gathered time to worship together. This, this little hour and a half slice of time that we, we break open and come together for. Um, so like I said, if, if you're like Donald Minn, you're thinking, yeah, why to go to church? Like I said, um, don't stop going after tonight. Just give me a few weeks, okay? Uh, give me a few weeks. So tonight, I just want to give a, a, a few reminders. One is to lay a foundation, to define a few terms, um, and to hopefully give a little focus of where we're going to go and what we're not talking about. So the first thing we have to do is we have to define the church. And I'm going to be very brief on this. I, I, hopefully we've gathered this over the years, but... Um, the church defined, and we're going to define it in two different ways here um, and from two different contexts. The church defined its universal and the church local. We have the church universal and the church local. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, says that Jesus put all things under his feet, or it's actually talking about the Father, put all things under his feet, and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills all knowledge. As a matter of fact, we're in Ephesians. We talk about the fact that we are the body of Christ on earth, and he desires to fill the earth with himself through his body on earth, which is us. Jumping ahead to chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 19, it says, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are members of the household of God. By the way, everybody asks, do we have church membership? We do, don't we? It says we're members of his household. We're all members, like it or not, you are. Um, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, that's the body of Christ, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God um, by the Spirit. Speaking here of the household of God, it is speaking of the universal church. All believers, everyone who's come to Christ by faith, comprises this thing that the scriptures call the church, the body of Christ. Um, those who have gone before us, those who come ahead of us, um, those who meet here, those who are meeting down the street, the students over on wherever we are, all believers everywhere are one, are part of this one body. The, uh, the, in the, the scriptures use the word ecclesia. It means called out ones. Called out from places of darkness, that's all of us who are sinners, saved by grace and called into his family, comprise this thing called the universal church, um, which scriptures call, it, talk, call it his bride. Um, he's preparing his bride. That is the church. That is the entire body of believers, past, present, and future, of which we are one part of. There's also the church local. Ecclesia also sometimes gets translated as assembly. So the idea of the assembling of the called out ones. So we're not just all over, but they gather together. Um, so these called out ones, like we are, brought together into an assembly, not like a school assembly, but the same thing, just gathering of people into a certain place. Um, so when it talks in the scriptures in the New Testament, it'll talk about the ecclesia in Ephesus and the ecclesia in Thessalonica and the, the ecclesia in Antioch. It's the church, the gathered group of called out ones meeting in that place. And we call that the local church. Um, only very much later did the term get used to refer to a place, as in, I'm going to church. And we all say it. I'm going to say it a million times. Um, it's not a correct usage of the word at all. But we've redefined it. Church is a place you go to. But we don't go to church. We are the church. Um, and I, like I said, we're going to keep saying it anyways because we just do. But bury that into our, our minds. We are the church. You don't go to church. You go to a building. Um, but you can uh, burn this down, and we are still the church um, here. Um, in Acts, the New Testament local church was synonymous, and you heard this from Dave Drum, with the city. So we had the, the ecclesia in Jerusalem, um, the ecclesia in Antioch, the ecclesia in Colossae, and the local church was one and the same with the church of that city. Um, so there weren't, the, the church in Jerusalem considered itself one church, one local church. Now they met in a bunch of different places because there are too many of them. Um, you, you right in Pentecost, there's just several thousand come to Christ. So they met in homes, but they did not look at themselves as a bunch of different local groups. They looked at themselves as one church. This church in that city was that local church. And although they met in different locations, they saw themselves as one. Um, over time, 
multiple gatherings. In, they began to have multiple gatherings. And by the way, the uh, church, like the city church in Jerusalem, um, understood their connection with the church in Antioch. Um, they all understood they were part of the same church, and yet locally in each city they met. Um, over time, though, there began to be multiple gatherings in each city that lacked the connection to the other gatherings. And that is what we have today. Um, there's something like 3,000 denominations in the United States, um, uh, Protestant denominations um, gathered. That's a lot, all uh, fairly independent of each other um, and not very well connected at all. As a matter of fact, there's sometimes animosity uh, between them. Um, today, there's only connections among denominations. So I was like, I was a from the free church group. So we had the free churches, evangelical free churches that met and we all around the Chicago area and we did things together. Um, but even today, within denominations, there's separations and partings and, and comings and goings that are, where they're not connected and they're rapidly breaking down. Um, praise God, we're seeing a change of that here in Tucson. There was a prayer and worship night last night over the Fox Theater. People from all different churches gathering together in one place. Um, seeing one body with multiple local um, expressions who are each unique and each different, but understanding our connectiveness because of being the universal church, the, the larger body of Christ, and yet still honoring the fact that we gather locally and yet have this bigger vision, a unified vision that God has given concerning his kingdom. The church is not an event. It's not a place we go. Um, it is actually who we are as redeemed people. But he calls us to be the ecclesia in certain places as we meet together. Another way to look at this is the church in two different contexts. The church in two contexts. These should be familiar to you. We are scattered and we are gathered. Um, the church scattered is um, as we go out everywhere. I mean, if we were to go around here and say, where will we be over the next five days? We would cover Tucson here. Because I know some of you are scattered all over the place and you're driving and your work takes you other places. We are all over. Um, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that do not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, in a sense, his church um, carries with that go. Wherever you go, because of that, guess what? God shows up because the Spirit is in you. And so um, scattered is just the church out in the world, which is where we spend almost all of our time. We spend very little time here, particularly this church without any hurdling programs. We're n other than the few of us that are here, because my office is here, most of us are hardly ever here. Um, so we are out somewhere. We are the scattered church. That is what it's about. That is, that is planting seeds. That is being the image of God and reflection of him all where we go. This is where the worshiping happens wherever we go. We've talked a lot about this at this church. So living the kingdom lives in the midst of the world as his image bears. And the overflow of all we do is worship and witness the very works of our hands. Um, it is what we are as the church, the body of Christ, seven days a week, the church scattered. It's not a bad thing. Being scattered is God's design for the body of Christ to fill this world with his work. But the church is also the church gathered. The church gathered together, as we talked about with the local church. In Hebrews 8, it actually talks about um, Jesus being the, the priest and his greater priesthood um, who gives himself as a once for all sacrifice and then you go ahead to hebrews 9 and 10 and because of his once for all sacrifice as the priest um, he opens a way for us 
um, to enter and draw near, um, something that the Israelites couldn't do because the priests had to keep doing this stuff over and over again. And so they never really got to enter into Foy. And Jesus, as the great priest, the one and final one, um, opens that door for us. And in this context of, of drawing near, um, he tells us to gather. We read the verses. Let me read it again. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Because of all of that, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For the one who promises faithful, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it was the habit of sin. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he went to the synagogue, it says, as was his habit. It says it numerous times. He, would, he had that same kind of habit. Um, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you say, as you see the day drawing near. Um, the temple in the Old Testament was the place of sacrifice um, and the priesthood, and coming again and again before God, pointing ahead to the better priest, and actually pointing ahead to the better temple, which guess what it is? It's us. And but they couldn't fully enter in. Um, and Jesus comes along and that and changes it all. So the temple is not the focus anymore. And there's no sacrifices anymore. But we still get to enter in because it's Jesus becomes the focus. We're told to gather not to continue the work of the priest because that was all done. But rather we now gather to do the work of the body because his work on the cross opens the door for us to do that. And so this temple that was needed just to, to point to trying to draw to God, Jesus has taken care of all that and made the temple unnecessary, makes us his temple, and then calls us together so that we can engage in the work of the body um, when we gather. Interesting, the word liturgy, um, by the way, we have a liturgy, um, pretty simple one. Every church does. Some have very complex ones. There's liturgy is just what we do when we gather together. What does it look like? Um, the word actually means that the work of the people is what it means. Um, he brings us together, um, gathers us because he's taking care of it for us through his cross so that we can fully gather together, not to get forgiveness of sin, but enter into his work and into a relationship with each other and with him. As a matter of fact, in that chap chapter in chapter 10 there that we read, he says that we're supposed to gather together and it's necessary in order to remain faithful in view of the days that are coming ahead. In light of the world, he says, we've got to gather together or we're not going to remain faithful. Let me read a couple passages out of Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I'm going to begin with verse 11. And in each of these things he's talking about, when the church gets together, um, the local gathered church, um, things happen there. and there's Things that are important to take place and important um, roles and functions. He gave um, uh, Ephesians 4 verse 11. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, doing the work of the body for him, for the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, familiar, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Individually, we are members of it. And God has appointed in the church, in this assembly, apostles and prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, and administrating in various kinds of tongues. Um, he brings us together, having opened the door um, to carry on his work, um, and he equips us to do so as a, as a gathered body of Christ. Many today feel that just being part of the universal scattered church is all that matters. Um, but the New Testament um, is written um, to specific gathered local churches, and, and everything in it assumes the gathering of its people together. Matter of fact, I, I personally believe that we can never, we can't even fully understand and interpret God's word outside the context of the gathered church, because it was written to a community of people, and we understand it in community with each other. Um, there's some basic expectations of the gathered church, or some characteristics, or some very loose structures on their part of it, but we are to gather. These two, the scattered church and the gathered church, are meant to come together as, as being one thing. Harold Best says this, We do not go to church to worship, but as continuing worshipers, we gather ourselves together to continue our worship, but now we do it in the company of one another. And then lastly here, I just want to mention the church in practice, just so we understand what we're not going to be talking about in the weeks to come. Um, it's all over the New Testament, but the, the, one of the passages we go to often, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, right after the church is formed, the Holy Spirit comes and, and uh, takes up residence in them, and Peter has preached a sermon. The people have gathered together in their meeting. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is the church gathered, the local church gathered together. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As the body of Christ, we are called to do many, many things. And there, we get them here. I don't think even we get all of them. Um, there's all sorts of things we're to be engaged in as the body of Christ, both um, outside these walls, but even as a gathered body together. And we're instructed to pay attention to many things that mature us and help us to participate in God's kingdom work. The New Testament assumes that believers are gathering, and in those gatherings, certain things should be happening. There are instructions about leadership, organization, spiritual gifts. And we're not going to look at those, because I don't think that's why we gather. Um, those are the things that we do. Um, the things that happen in church, they happen in buildings, uh, they happen in our homes, they happen as we come and go. Um, but they're still, that's the what we do. The question is, why do we get together? Why do we gather? Um, if you remember when John was teaching, we had the, uh, the, the target, and in the middle was what? Our beliefs. And on the outside was the behaviors. What I believe to be true fuels what I do. And so we have to go down, what do I believe is true? And the question is, what do I believe is true about why we gather? That's, that's a belief issue. Why am I here? The stuff we do 
we do a lot of it, and, um, and there will be more to do. There's no end to doing. Um, it flows from an understanding of why do we get together in the first place? What do I really believe is true about when I get here? What is this time about? And does the scripture even tell us? Does it lay out a plan for us in our getting together? Um, when we ask why, we begin to get at the heart of our beliefs, um, our beliefs particularly in this case about why do we gather. So um, at the Vineyard, um, this particular church is called the Vineyard Christian Community. Um, I think we are learning and growing and getting a pretty good grasp about being scattered. We talk about it all the time, and we will not cease to do so. Um, I think we're getting a growing grasp that we are part of this universal church, and and, and a heart and a, um, I can't, it delights me more than anything to see us joining other believers outside this place together. It's just, I think the Lord just delights in that, and I'm so excited that this church has embraced that. I think we understand that it's not just a building, although that can get a hold of us pretty easily um, as we get here. I mean, I think we understand that we're, worship is something we do all the time in all places, but do we have a grasp on and a vision or a compelling answer to why do we gather for this time together each week, every single week as we come together? Um, what do we believe about the reason that we gather here? Um, you know, you can go to other places, um, and these aren't meant to be critical. They may sound that way, but there's all different ways to do things together. Um, one of the, when I was on my sabbatical, I visited all different churches. It was really enjoyable just to go to all these different places in town. Um, but for many, the vision is uh, a few songs, an offering, and a sermon. Um, we do that sometimes, not with the offering, but it's easy to fall into the same thing over and over again without thinking about what we're doing. Um, for my grandfather, his, his, uh, his pattern was one song because they made him do it, and then teaching. That, that was it. He just would go and go. Um, it may be a, a place where it's just a weekly platform that's more like a concert for us to go and watch um, and maybe and be excited about. Um, or maybe it's a platform-focused speaking event, and that's all it is, just to get us charged up and tell us why we should be encouraged about the next week to come. Um, for many, it's we get together. It's almost like a Christian mall experience of just things to choose from, a, a smorgasbord of things for me. Um, perhaps uh, some of these venues um, do way more than that. I think they probably do. Um, but perhaps there's something else, something that we have missed another purpose and another why that informs um, every moment of our gathered time. Um, my, my end hope here is that when we get together, I know what's going on. I know why it's going on. I know why it matters, and I can enter into it because each thing we do together as we gather is rich with something that God has for us. Do I actually anticipate all week our gatherings as an indispensable, unique gift of time in which something happens that fuels and shapes all of my kingdom living week by week by week by week? Do I anticipate all week our gatherings as an indispensable, unique gift of time in which something happens that fuels and shapes all of my kingdom living week by week by week by week? Uh, Mike, if you guys could come back up, we are going to be singing, uh, have a little time of some quiet. On the back of your bulletin, um, I, th I think there's two questions at the bottom. Uh, I think it's the title, is that right? It says, let's say, why we gather, why do we gather? Two questions, why do we gather? Why? Why do you come here? 
Um, specifically, I'd like to think in terms of our service. I mean, there's other reasons to come here. Um, if the grass is nice, <laughs> whatever. Um, why do you gather here? Um, the second question may actually get the heart of it more. Have you ever come and been disappointed? Because usually when we're disappointed, it's because we expected something. And the expectation can lead us to the deeper reason of why. I came because of this, and guess what? It didn't happen, so I was disappointed. So maybe, and it's okay to say that, that you were disappointed. You came and you were disappointed, so why? Um, what I want you to do, I want us, and myself as well, to actually spend a couple moments now um, and the rest of the week actually saying, God, sh- begin to dig in. Help me to really wrestle with this question. Why do I come here? Why do I gather with each other? Um, what am I expecting? What am I hoping for? Um, so take about it, just a minute or two, and I would encourage you, if you have an answer, and don't worry, we're not going to we're not going to make you we're not going to put these up on the screen. We're not going to make you share them, um, and a bunch of them are going to be right, and they're all going to be good, um, and it may be part of what we're going to look at, and it may be something more as well. But I want us to wrestle with it, to really sit with the question for a while, actually all week. Um, why do I gather? Why do I gather? And I encourage you if. if Write it down. Sometimes when we write it down, it makes us think. It just makes us think. Um, take a moment and consider it, and we're going to consider it in a moment. And I'm going um, to pray, and then we're going to uh, close in a song.